Hey everybody, Doug Schaefer here again with The Taste. This is our third episode in our special New York series, and today we're going to do a deep dive into Italian wines with someone who is a great friend, Marilissa Allegrini. We met up with her in our suite overlooking Times Square and had an absolute blast catching up and talking about her family and all the great wines they're making in different regions of Italy. We have a lot to cover, so off we go. So welcome back, everybody. Another episode of The Taste. We are still here in New York, um, having a great time. And our next guest is a, a longtime friend. I must say, she and I cross paths often at wine events, trade shows, dealing with distributors and importers. She's one of the most positive, upbeat people I know. And it's always fun to be with her. And I got her up early this morning to be with us today. Marilissa Allegrini from Allegrini in Verona, Italy. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank, great. thank you for your wonderful words. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. I, I have to tell a story because back in 2013, uh, Vin Italy, which is in Verona every year, a wonderful, wonderful international trade show, you always host a big gala dinner with, I don't know, it's two, three, four hundred people. It's a lot of people at uh, Della Torre, uh, Via Della Torre. Villa Della Torre, yes. Right, which is a fantastic place we'll talk about more later. And um, you, you reached out to me and said, hey, Doug, would you mind supplying uh, one of your wines for one of the courses at dinner? And I was stunned and honored. And uh, we served the 2008 Relentless, but you invited Annette and me. We attended this gala. It was a beautiful night, big rainstorm. We had fireworks, dancing, wonderful food, great wines. And it was so nice to have a chance to expose so many people internationally from around the world, the world of wine, to one of Schaefer Wines. So thank you very much for that opportunity. No, you were so generous and you brought the number one wine of Wine Spectator. That was a good one. Yeah. And you know, uh, Doug, I like this kind of sharing experience. I think that sharing in, uh, in the wine production is something that is very, very important and is very positive because uh, I can learn from you a lot. You can learn coming to Italy uh, about uh, the story of the Italian producer. So it's something that uh, really pleased me. Well, I, I'm, in this, I'm in the same camp on that one. I have had so much fun meeting winemakers and vintners from Italy, Germany, Switzerland, France, and sharing stories. And it's, it's fascinating the more you get to know people and what they do and what they make to realize, hey, you know, what methods we use in California and Napa Valley don't necessarily work in Verona or Chianti or um, yes. Switzerland or France. So it's fun to compare notes and see what works and what doesn't. So, so, so I like this thing, sharing experience, uh, challenge, mm -hmm. and also emotion. This yes. is very important. Well, I, I, I know you would agree with me also. I have some of my best friends in the world in my life are, have been made through our business of wine. So it's, it's a wonderful medium for sharing. But I want to talk about you. Your family, my family's been making wine about one and a half generations. And how long has the Allegrini family been making wine? Officially, I am the sixth generation sixth, in the wine yes, business. Wow. But uh, the Allegrini family has been living in Valpolicella since uh, the 1200. Wow. So, the, the, it was a family in the agricultural field, and uh, the 
company officially started in the middle of uh, 1800. Wow. So they lived there since the 1200s, agriculture, yes. but started making wine yes. in the 1800s. Yes. Man, I feel like just a baby. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Um, so it's always been Verona. And tell me about your family growing up. So you grew up there, mom, dad, brothers, sisters. Yes. What was that like? My Verona is a beautiful city. It's a Roman, medieval, and mm -hmm. a Renaissance city. And the countryside that surrounds Verona is very important for wine production. And uh, uh, Valpolicella, classical area, is located in the western part of the city of Verona, toward Lake Garda. Toward Lake Garda, right. Yes. Okay. And there are these uh, beautiful parallel valleys, and this is Valpolicella. And uh, literally, Valpolicella means uh, the valley of many cellars. The valley of many cellars? Yes. That's because what uh, means. Okay. It, and the, the name comes from both Latin and Greek. Okay. And this is the witness of the history of this area, because Valpolicella uh, was famous at the Roman time. And uh, at that time, the wine, Valpolicella, was retico and uh, Amarone or Recioto was Acinatico. Okay. These were the original uh, Valpolicella wines. The original wines, because, yes. okay, and I want to talk about Amarone later. Okay, so, okay, so, <clears throat> and so, but your family, so you were born, you, mom and dad, yes. were they, they, were, they were making wine? Yes, father? My, my father uh, was the guy that uh, expanded the property okay. by buying new vineyards and increasing production, and he was a very easygoing man, but very, very smart, okay. and um, he started uh, exporting the wine to America in 1972. So he understood that it was very important to also to be visible in the world. And uh, my father was a kind of pioneer for the Valpolicella okay. because he introduced a lot of innovation. You know that uh, in Valpolicella or in some other area in Italy, the pergola training system is... Uh, uh, the, 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 the the pergola training system, which is a training system for grapevines. Yes. Right. Yes. Was that was the only? And my father in 1979 he introduced uh, the double guillot system. The double guillot. So it was all pergola system, which was a certain way of training vines, and the double guillot is a <clears throat> more modern technique. Yes. And basically, you get better quality grapes. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, um, now, if you go around in Valpolicella, you can see that 50% uh, of the vineyards are planted exactly as he did almost 40 years ago. So he was in old, always in the forefront of innovation. Pioneer, trying yes, new things, yes, innovating. So yes. where, how, but, because I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that area, been there for making wine, growing grapes, hundreds and hundreds of years, the traditions, I mean, even in Napa, just for uh, maybe a hundred years, the traditions are hard to break. So... How how did he how did he learn about the new things and innovation? Did he travel? Did he like yes. well like you? You're a <laughs> road warrior. Um, how did he do that? My father paid one visit to California. Okay. And I think it was 1976. Okay. And he saw this uh, different uh, training system, and so he understood the important concept is not just the yield per acre, but is the yield per vine. So ah. you can make better quality if you reduce the quantity that you produce per vine. Which is so true. So he realized tons, yes. tons per acre, yield yes. per acre is, is, 
you make you know is, is fine, but for quality, it's yield per vine yes. to control that yes. and keep that at yes. a smaller yes. amount because you get better grapes, hence better wines. Because with the pergola training system, you can produce uh, 20 kilos of grape per vine, right. but. Uh, is the result is a very diluted wine right. if you manage the yield per vine you can make wine with better concentration better. and this is uh, the intuition that he had and you know he started a quality revolution of the Valpolicella because Valpolicella before was known for very uh, simple Just wines. Simple wines, yes, yes. very easy, everyday drinking. Yes. Not a lot of flavor, yeah. not the concentration. Exactly. Which what ha when you have big yields per acre yeah. uh, and big yields per vine, your wines tend to be more dilute. Exactly. And they're fine, but they're in simples. And I don't mean to use the word simple in a negative sense, but just they yeah. don't have the character and extraction that, that we have today. Wow. So your dad did that. So were you like... Growing up, were you working in the vineyards or working in the cellar, or were you just going to school and having fun, or you know? When I was a child, yes. it was the best way to spend some time with my dad, uh -huh. to go in the vineyard with him, and so uh, I was uh, I fell in love, of course, with the uh, land, with the landscape, with the viticulture. But when I was a teenager. I was a kind of rebel. That, I didn't want. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. I didn't want to work in the okay. family company, and I said to my dad, "Don't count on me. You have two boys. You they can secure. You have two, you have two brothers. Okay. <laughs> two brothers. Okay. Yes. You can secure the continuation of the company. So I will do something else. Wow! Look at you. <laughs> Just boom. And so what did he? What did he say? Uh, oh, he was quite. Uh, I don't know. Sad. Sad, okay. But um, what I wanted to do was uh, to study medicine. Okay. And uh, he knew that by studying medicine, I would never come back to the family company. Hmm. So he said to me, you can go to the university, but not uh, outside Verona. And in Verona, there was no medical school. <laughs> but he didn't know that there was something connected with medicine that was a university, in, in and it was physical therapy. Physical therapy. Man. Yes. So that was in Verona, and he didn't know about that. He didn't know. <laughs> you two, you two were, you two were very smart going back and forth. I can see this. We were fighting right. yeah. all the time. Yeah. And uh, so I said, uh, "Okay, I don't study." economics or foreign languages, I will study physical therapist. So he couldn't say anything. He couldn't right, say no. Because right, he'd already committed. I and so it. I study physical therapy and then I work for five years in the hospital. And one day we had a discussion and he said, please, I want you to come back to oh, the family company. That's great. And uh, so my brother were already yeah. Working. How'd that make you feel? Is that good? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was sad because I love what I was doing, but uh, I, f I felt the family commitment. Mm -hmm. And so at one point, uh, I decided to resign from my previous job and to join the family That's company. That's great. But meanwhile, you've got that physical therapy background because, <laughs> you know, you and I, we're, we're not... We're, we're, we're more mature these days. <laughs> yes. And so we have some aches oh, and, but you know, the yeah. exercise that I right. did are still helping me. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I had to stretch a lot this morning after being up all night last night. Um, 
All right, so you're back with the company. How old were you when you came back to the company? I was uh, 26 years okay. old. And uh, uh, unfortunately, two years later, my father suddenly oh. and unexpectedly passed away. Oh. So at least I had uh, two years to spend with him and to learn from him uh, because uh, my father was not uh, just uh, a good uh, grape grower and a good uh, winemaker, mm -hmm. but he was very, very hospitable. So I learned to be, that is the best way to promote the company, to open the door of your home, your winery, and uh, to so be very friendly. I've always wondered where it came from with you because you are so gracious. So it came from your dad. What I failed to mention earlier was after our gala dinner, you have two other beautiful properties, one in Bulgari, Yes. And one in Montalcino. Yes. And guest houses there. And you you were with Annette and, and me. You said, go, have fun. So we spent two nights at each spot. We had a one, by the way, we had a, such a great trip. We had a great trip. But the hospi hospitality was fantastic. So that came from your dad. Yes. And your two brothers were, so they were in production and you were in the office or in, well, hospitality yeah. sales. Yeah. No, I, I started working in the office. Okay. And I realized that uh, the, administration was not uh, my <laughs> what make me excited and so I started traveling okay and the first market was uh, United States when was that what year it was in 1983 okay and uh, I learned everything from this market because uh, yeah. I learned that uh, my English was is not perfect now but at that time it was very 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 <laughs> basic so I learned to communicate uh, precise thing mm -hmm. I learned to express uh, in the best possible way the feeling that you have when you are at the winery right when you taste the wine and uh, to communicate with passion and to communicate uh, in a in a very easy way because uh, this is i think uh, what uh, is important for a wine producer in 1983 you're 26 27 years old haven't really you know verona is a beautiful area but it's an agricultural area it's it's not you know a big metropolitan city and uh, all of a sudden you're in probably in new york city selling <laughs> yes. wine your english isn't that great what was that? I was like? smiling. And you're, and you're smiling, <laughs> and you're selling Valpolicella. Valpolicella. And uh, what was that like as we, you came over? What was Valpolicella at that time was not uh, uh, very popular, or okay. it was popular in the bad way. And so for me, Valpolicella was, uh, and for my father, was one of the best part of the world. And so I said, why sure. Valpolicella is not uh, attractive? And right. uh, I understood that uh, the quality of Valpolicella that was in the market was not uh, the, the best one. Okay. And so, you know, it was uh, very difficult to go uh, one sh shop, shop uh, to another to, one to and a to a restaurant, etc. And to promote Valpolicella and uh, to open the bottle and to let the customer it's to customer. taste the wine. And uh, slowly, slowly, I give a contribution on the rebirth of the Valpolicella. Of course, uh, other producers from the area did the same thing. Well, did, so did you go back and talk to your brothers and other producers and say, yeah. we need yes. to improve quality? Yes, we so, need. Uh, and then, so I'm, th I'm guessing you were the only one doing that. 
because I don't think other people from your area were traveling and promoting. No, there were time. some there other were producer, some other. but definitely I was yeah. uh, one of the first, uh, and yeah. I was definitely the first woman that started okay. uh, doing this. And um, when I came back, uh, I told uh, Franco and Walter, we have to focus on the concept uh, of single vineyard mm -hmm. rather than just uh, the DOC appellation. And this is when we started uh, with the Palazzo della Torre, with La Grola and with La Poia, which are our single vineyard wines uh, so from Valpolicelli. So you went back and worked with Franco and Walter, who, yes. were, who were growing the grapes yeah. and making the wine. Yeah. And, yeah, and tell me about La Grola, because that's, that's, that's a famous, famous vineyard. That's that's your, isn't that one of your best right there? Yes, La Grola is a beautiful single vineyard. It is located on top of a hill mm -hmm. overlooking Lake Garda, the alluvial plain, and the mountains in mm -hmm. the other side. And so it has the perfect microclimate. And La Grola was the vineyard where my father planted the double guillot system. And he planted as Corvina, the grapes were Corvina, Corvina. and also okay. another grape variety that is an indigenous grape variety of Alpolicella. Probably you have never heard about this, mm -hmm. Oseleta. Oseleta no, is, uh, if we can find some similarity, is uh, like uh, Petit Verdot is similar okay. like to Petit Verdot. Verdot. Do like you have Petit some Petit Verdot in your we do, vineyards? We do. Do you like Petit Verdot? I, yeah, we like it. It's, it's got a wonderful aromatics. Very, the perfume is just so neat. We love that. We yes. use it to blend a little bit with okay. Cabernet. Yeah. We, you don't make 100%. Yeah, we, don't, we don't make 100%. Yeah, it's a, it's a grape variety that has a lot of tannins, and mm -hmm. so it's very good with blend, right. I think. Okay, so you came back. You, you, how were your, how, how were your brothers when you came back and say, hey, because I know family. <laughs> you know, you come back. Here's here's little sister because you were the little sister, right? Or you, yes. you're in the middle. No, you're in, in the, the middle. middle. You're in the middle. Franco is there. Even more exciting. So you you because I'm and the a, only I'm, woman. I'm, I'm a middle child also, but um, so you come back to your brothers and say. Hey, fellas, we need to make better, better wine. Were they like okay with that, or were they like, "What's your, what's the problem, sister?" I mean, you know. No, I think that uh, they were very curious. Okay. They they have the same approach that my dad has. Okay. So to be innovative and to start with the single vineyard was something very innovative for the Valpolicella, and so they um, they were curious. And uh, right. in 1983 was the first vintage of both uh, La Grola and uh, La Poia. La Poia is 100% Corvina. So they um, approached the production with the single vineyard and wine with concentration, but uh, not uh, with uh, the drying process, but uh, with viticulture. Concentration that comes from viticulture. Without, without the drying, because normally, yes. I think tradition in Valpicella was to have a percentage of the grapes were dried and then they come back into the main fermentation. Is Amarone is Amarone, a wine right? made with 100% dried grapes, Got it. but uh, we have Palazzo della Torre, which is made uh, with uh, 30% dried grapes. Right. So we achieved the concentration with some or 100% dried grapes. But La Grola and La Poia, the concentration come from viticulture. Viticulture. Yes. Okay, I got that. So I'm going to 
review to make sure I understand. So Amarone, which is fantastic, but it's a, it's a very specialized wine. You, you pick the grapes, you let them dry a little bit, they get more concentrated, make a very rich extracted yes. wine. And then the other one you just mentioned is the Palazzo della Torre, Palazzo della Torre which is another single vineyard. And you used about 30%, 30% dried, dried grapes. Dried but grape. now with Lagrola, and what was the other one? Um, La Poia. La Poia. Fresh, freshly picked freshly grapes. Freshly picked grapes, no, no drying at all. So no. the concentration came from better techniques in the vineyard, exactly. like what we try exactly. to do to get smaller exactly. berries, more concentration. And they did it. Yes. And the results were great. Yes. How cool. So this uh, was uh, a kind of uh, quality revolution mm -hmm. for the Valpolicella area. That's and cool. of course, uh, uh, the quality of the production in general change a lot and now Valpolicella is recognized as one of the best wine producing area of Italy. Boy, it's changed. Look what you started a revolution. Look what you did. <laughs> um, but in the beginning, was there, were there some issues with the DOC and the controlling because uh, wasn't Valpolicella, weren't there rules that you had to have certain percentages of different grapes or dried uh, you know, grapes? In Italy, the, um, the rules are quite complicated mm -hmm. because uh, we don't just have to use a specific grape variety. We have to use also a specific percentage. Okay. We don't have freedom. And right. so there was one grape variety that we didn't like, uh, which was uh, Molinara. Okay. And this is why we concentrate on, we focus on the concept of single vineyard rather than just the DOC appellation. But uh, did that, Effect, did that affect how you could had, could label the wines? Yes, in, in fact, uh, La Grola, La Poia, and Palazzo della Torre are IGT and not DOC. And that's was that difficult at first, or you guys just did it? And no, you know when when you know what you want to do, when you have your own philosophy, you follow this, and so this brand, this three single vineyard became our brands, and we own the entire property, so we named the wine. Sure, and you focused on those. Yes. And help me again, IGT stands for? IGT that? was a, a classification that was introduced in 1992. Okay. Because at the beginning, there was only DOC and yeah. table wine. Okay, that's right. So, could you imagine the most prestigious wine that we make were named table, table, wine. table wine? Yes. And, but <laughs> there was a, a journalist that invented the super Tuscan. The, uh, super. So, La Poia, La Grola, and Palazzo della Torre were our super, super. Venetian. Super, <laughs> and I the see, government okay, so at you, one. So the super Tuscans were down in yes, Chianti in yes, Tuscany, and so you had yes, the super Venetians. Yes, perfect. The, the difference between the DOC and the IGT is that uh, with the IGT, uh, the producer have more freedom to use the grape variety that uh, they want. This well, is and, the, and and to do what. I know what you want to do, and I want to do the same thing. And all our buddies in the business, we want to make the best wines we can. Exactly. And exactly. If, if, and and. 
forget about the rules. <laughs> How were your neighbors when you were doing that? I mean, were they like, you guys are crazy, you can't yes. do this? Did, were they, were they, or were they supportive and doing the same thing? I, you know, when, when my father introduced the uh, double Guyot system, yes. he moved from uh, 2,000 vines per acre to uh, 4,000 vines per acre. Wow. And uh, one of his best friends asked him, what are you doing at La Grola? Are you planting vines or lettuce? <laughs> so he was very criticized. <laughs> and I can imagine how he was uh, uh, affected by this, uh, the judgment of his uh, best friend. But he knew what uh, he was doing. And so I think that he was immediately recogni recognized as one of the innovators of the Valpolicella Val area. Good for him. Because now, now, a little bit different selling Valpolicella in yes. New York, right? Yeah. So it's a, from 25 years ago. When 2003, you lost your brother Walter. Yes. That was tough. I know that was tough. He was... It was very, very difficult yeah. moment and, uh, because uh, I just started with him uh, in 2001 to purchase land in Bulgaria. In Bulgaria. And uh, in 2002, we founded this new company, Poggio al Tesoro. Poggio al Tesoro. So, after we planted the first 11 hectares, yeah. Walter passed away. Oh. And so, I was alone. Hmm. I didn't have uh, a lot of knowledge in viticulture. And so I had uh, to decide uh, how to go on with this yeah. uh, uh, company that was at the very, very beginning. Very beginning is in Bulgari, which is, is uh, from Verona. That's quite a ways. Is uh, yeah. uh, 250 miles, yeah, more or less. Yeah, 250 miles. And because Bulgari is on the, on the ocean, but it's down in Tuscany. Yes. Is so a, it's to the south. Is in the coast uh, of the, Tuscany. Which is a great area. And we stayed at your place there. And it's the grapes. And so you're, you're growing San, mostly Sangiovese there? No. Okay. No, Sangiovese no Sangiovese at all. It was the first decision that Walter and I took when we went down to <laughs> Bulgari. No Sangiovese, because Sangiovese is fantastic in the high altitude and in the central part of Tuscany, Tuscany right. where you have uh, uh, calcareous soil. Right, the but soil. Uh, close to the sea, you have uh, clay, clay, you have sand, right. and so Sangiovese is not uh, good in this area. So what did you plant? We planted uh, what? Uh, was uh, yeah. looking at our neighbors, right, right. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, mm -hmm. Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, and Syrah. Right. And uh, we also planted Vermentino. Okay. And so we make the Bulgari uh, red with a blend of the different grape variety. Mm -hmm. And then we make this uh, Vermentino, which I named Solo Sole, Solo just Sole. sunshine. Just because, sunshine. Uh, yes. The concentration that we have in the wine and the uh, characteristic of the wine come from the maturation under the sun. That's good. and it's a beautiful wine. And Annette and I had it because your your guest house there had a, a stash <laughs> of your wine, so we jumped into. It. I have got to tell you, one of the best evenings I've had with my wife. You know, oh. I've never told you this story. Was we were down there in Bulgari at your place, and it was April. And Bulgari, which I didn't realize that I'd been there once before in the summertime. It was busy. It's a, it's a, it's a resort. It's on the sea. Lots of resorts and beach hotels. And, and I'd been there in the summer one time. It was very busy and fun. 
And we were there, and I, I was telling Annette, I said, oh, this is going to be great. It's on, the, it's on the sea, and it's busy. And we're walking around, and it was mid-April. It was like a ghost town because summer season hadn't started. So nothing was going on. No restaurants were open or anything like that. It's like, well, what are we going to do? And so there was a couple of farm stands. We got some fresh asparagus and some pasta. And she made this fantastic, wonderful, simple meal in the kitchen of that guest house. And we sat there and lit a couple of candles and had a fabulous dinner. So... It was one of our best nights. So you have to come back because now we have also a swimming pool. A swimming pool. Okay. <laughs> Under the stars. Oh, yeah. And uh, don't you think that uh, the Strada Bulgarese has something similar with Silverado Trail? Yeah. With these uh, beautiful oak trees? Yes, it is. It's very similar. So, I, you know, I went to Silverado Trail before Bulgari, <laughs> because I went to uh, California, I think the beginning of the 90s, okay. and of course I fell in love with Napa Valley, but uh, when I went to Bulgari, it was the 2001, the first year that I went there, I, it remembered me, the, the you remember beautiful Napa? oak, mm -hmm. yes, the oak trees, yeah, and so I yeah, think, and the um, <clears throat> few months ago, there was this article in Wine Spectator, Bulgari, Italy's Napa. And I think that well, it was a very good concept to express what Bulgari is. I've, when I've been there, the two times I've been there, there is a definite feeling of familiarity. And the Cabernets, not only what you're growing, but your neighbors there, they're delicious. And um, it's, it's a similar climate. The light's different. The light in Italy yes. is really different. Um, I can't describe it, but it's, it's fascinating to me. And also you are close to the ocean. Mm -hmm. We are close to the Mediterranean Sea. So it's a little so bit... That, uh, that, that climatic yeah. influence, that's, yes. that's very important. But that's interesting about the Sangiovese. It's got to be with that other soils, inland. <laughs> yes. That, that, that. And also altitude. And, okay. and uh, the red grape variety that we grow there uh, in Bulgaria is very easy to achieve the uh, sugar maturation. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, to achieve the phenolic maturation, you need to harvest uh, a little bit late. Is the same in Napa? Yes. We, yeah, we have to wait. <clears throat> we have to wait longer sometimes because the grapes are ripe. They have sugar, but the tannins are still yes. really young and rough. They're not ripe. Yeah. And we have to let them hang just to kind of get... Otherwise, the wines turn out to be really hard, just kind of hard finishes. Yes. I'm so maybe we have to share some experience also with the red grape variety. I think I, think I need to come back to Italy <laughs> oh, no. right away. <laughs> yeah. Or I need to come to your winery. You do need to come <laughs> see me. So besides Bulgari, you've got a great property in Maltocino. And it's called San Paolo. San Polo? San Polo. San Polo. Yes. And it's in Maltocino, which yes. is wonderful. It's a Renaissance town, right? Or a Renaissance era. Tell, tell me about that property. You know, when you go to Montalcino, you just fell in love uh, with mm -hmm. the place because it's, uh, it's uh, this beautiful hill overlooking 360 degrees. Right. And so in 2007, there was this uh, property that uh, came in the market because the family that uh, owned the property wanted to sell. And the family is from Verona. And so they okay. came to me and they asked uh, if I wanted to buy the property. Uh -huh. And uh, it was a property that was already established. It was not like uh, Poggio Altesoro, where 
I had to start, start from, from scratch. Beginning. So right. planting the vineyard, <laughs> uh, uh, building the winery, etc. Right. In uh, Montalcino, everything was already set. The vineyard was planted, the winery was built, and um, the reason why I decided to buy this property is because it's located in one of the most beautiful parts of the hill of Montalcino. Montalcino is one of the largest municipalities in Italy. Okay. So from the north part mm. to the top is uh, 15 kilometers. And then to go down is 18 kilometers, right. which uh, so it's means big. It's a big. big area, yes. So we are very close to the original part of Montalcino, so where the first Sangiovese was planted. And um, we, we have fantastic exposure, we have fantastic uh, ventilation, and also we have this uh, uh, galestro, which is the, the name oh. of the uh, calcareous soil. The galestro is the, the way the, in Tuscany they call calcareous soil. Which is that calcium soil, which yes. is great for Sangiovese because yes, it's, it's, so, it's so well drained. Yeah. And um, yes. Sangiovese needs that. And uh, so uh, this was <clears throat> the main reason. And then the second reason was the way the winery was built. The winery was built according to the bioarchitecture. So That's right. We had a great tour. Tell me again, There's you've got some type of tunnels. Or yes. There's some ventilation the, thing going the on. The tunnel is uh, <clears throat> to have the air circulating okay. in the right way inside the winery and to keep the humidity from the earth and then uh, the winery is the place where we uh, age the wine is uh, covered with the uh, stone that absorb the excess of humidity so everything is uh, done respecting the environment and uh, thanks to this uh, we started with the organic uh, process in 2014 so now Sampolo is organically certified and we use uh, recycled glass uh, we use uh, recycled paper for the label so everything is uh, yes that's great and this is a new frontier I think for everybody yes and everyone's going that way that's great. Um, you too? That in property, yes, as much as we can. Yes. We're solar powered and we, you know, <clears throat> compost all Save our energy. cuttings and yes. um, recycle our water, you know, water in the cellar and use it to irrigate. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going that it's way. It's very important to very important. respect and to love uh, the to environment. Love, well, if, if we don't take care of our environment, yes. then exactly. our grapes aren't going to grow very well. So, got to do that. And we have to give a better word to the next generation. Yes, we got all our all our kids. Yes. So the question I have about because I just was fascinated with that property. Tell me about the Via della Torre, which is this right in your home in Verona, and it's this this wonderful old. I don't know. Is it, is it a castle? Is it a ruin? What's the history on that thing? It's fantastic. Villa della Torre uh, <coughs> has been since my childhood my lifetime dream really? because I used to go to the villa because I, I was a very good friend with the girl that was uh, the daughter of the owner of the villa okay. and uh, I used to go there and uh, uh, in 2005 uh, the villa came in the market so they, they wanted to sell my father purchased 
the land that surround Villa della Torre. Okay, that's what I was curious about because you have a wine named after the, that land, correct? Palazzo della Torre, oh, okay. yes. Okay. Palazzo della Torre is the wine that comes from the vineyard that surround Villa della Torre. So my father in 1960 purchased the vineyard, okay. but not the villa because the villa was uh, not a Well, the, if the villa was, was it a ruin basically? Or was yes, no, yeah, it no was uh, abandoned abandoned for a while. Okay. And then in 2005, it came in the market. And so I said, I want yeah. this property <laughs> because uh, it was uh, fantastic to have the entire property as it was in the Renaissance. Right. And uh, it took three years. And finally, in 2008, uh, we were able to purchase the villa. Wow. The villa is very important because it's one of the most important monuments of the Italian Renaissance. Okay. And you know that the Renaissance yes. was uh, everything. very the, important. The, the rebirth, everything. It lasts yes. for 150 years, right. but uh, 80% of the art that we have in Italy is be because of the because Renaissance. So Villa della Torre was built uh, in the Renaissance, but it is built in a very unique uh, shape because it's built like a Roman villa okay. with the courtyard in the center. Mm -hmm. And uh, the name of the courtyard is Peristilio. Okay. And then the column that surround this uh, courtyard. And then there are these uh, rooms uh, that are uh, designed, decorated with this uh, fireplace that are like face of monster. You remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the fish monster, we have the, the lion, <laughs> we have the devil, and then we have the angel. And um, it has become very important for Allegrini because it's the headquarter of our company and is the place where we have uh, uh, tastings. Uh, so that's uh, so because since I was there, so it's now kind of fully restored and see yes. the office headquarters. Yes. Oh, great. And we have now 10 bedrooms. Okay. And when visitors come, we okay. want to give them the full experience of yes. the Renaissance. The Renaissance. <sighs> so. Um, Okay, I'll visiting be back. The I'll yes. be back, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> visiting the vineyards, uh, uh, experiencing the food. Mm -hmm. We have two chefs uh, that uh, can also do cooking classes. That's great. And so this is uh, what we do at uh, Villa della Torre. I'm so happy for you because I know that was a, a dream for so many years of yours. And it's just fascinating. Um, we learn from you guys uh, the, also the hospitality because uh, Napa is very famous for hospitality. Hospitality is important. Well, like in, in any business and um, you know, you've got to treat your customers as well as you can. That's, that's important. But I think especially in our business, don't you think so? When visitors come, they have to understand that uh, all the work that is behind a bottle of wine I agree. Yeah, and it's it's important to to tell them that somehow show them because when we travel on the road, you and I, we do this a lot. 
sometimes I don't think that comes through. It's just like, hey, here you are, and I am, and we've got this great bottle of wine, and it tastes good, and we, we might say, you know, we might kind of lead them to believe it's just really romantic. I think some people come out to Napa sometimes, and they, they think we're just kind of sit around and drink wine all day. Well, it's like, no, we got a, we're growing grapes, and we're up at five or yes. six in the morning, and yes. harvest time, we're, we, you know, sweat it out with the weather, you know, rain you or have cold a lot or of, heat. We a have of, a lot of challenge. A lot of challenges. But, um, but it's so exciting. It I is. think that we do the best uh, job in the world. Don't you think I, so? It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and it's, you know, I get up every day raring to go, except unless I have a, a late night like I had last <laughs> night, but, but I'm firing up again. Um, so, again, speaking of travel, how, I was curious, are, how, much you, how much of your wine do you sell in Italy, and how much is exported? We sell um, more or less uh, 20% uh, in Italy, in Italy and the rest uh, abroad. Okay. And uh, is the U.S. your cover, biggest? Yes, the U.S. US biggest, is yeah. our yeah. market number one. I think you should move some of that sales somewhere else to another country. That way, I, I can sell more Schaefer here in the <laughs> United States. You know, you know, or, oh no, you know, no! <laughs> I, I think I don't. I cannot compete with you, Doug. <laughs> well, you know, don't you find? Because I, I, you know, sometimes I'm on airplanes and talking to people in other industries, and, and they'll they'll say, well, what's your who's your competition, you know, and it's like, and I, I'm a little befuddled sometimes because, like, you know, what other winery in Napa is your competition, Doug? And I'm like going, well, I don't really think about that. They go, what yeah. do you mean, colleague? I, I go, well, it's I, we're all doing fine, and we all kind of. Yes. You know, support each other, and gee, you know, Schaefer might be on that list at that restaurant, but maybe not over there. But over there is my buddy here, or, or an Allegrini wine, which makes me happy to see. That's what I love about this. You know, it's like, oh, Marilis has got her wine here. Cool. Um, do you agree? I never, I, feel, I, I never totally feel agree with yeah. you. So I totally the, agree. I, I don't feel the competition. I think that in the world there is space for everybody. Yeah. And I'm only upset when I have one wine from my area that is not good. This me is too. I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Because it, when a, a neighbor yes. has a wine that's not as good as it could be, it's not my business to tell him what to do, or him or her. But, but that, that hurts my area that hurts yes, Stag's Leap, exactly. that hurts Napa Valley, that hurts exactly. you know, from your kind of hurts Valpachola. Um, so it's almost like you want it, you kind of want to gently say, Hey, um, <laughs> you want to say, Can I give you a couple of tips on this one? Or but but we can't. But what's what's great about our business is the customer, the customer is the barometer, and the customer today compared to 30 years ago, they know their wines, they yes. know good wines, and if if someone makes a wine that's not as good people don't buy it yeah. and so that's a that regulates it so oh there is much so more knowledgeable yeah. customer yeah definitely good um next generation because it's the allegrini family six generations what's, <laughs> yes. what, what's the next who's who's coming up uh, you know uh, i have one brother franco, okay. franco. and franco has uh, three boys so one of his uh, son is already in the company okay and is selling wine part in Italy and part uh, abroad because we want him to have uh, the full experience of the different uh, problem or sure. opportunities. Challenges, yeah. And then um, I have two daughters mm -hmm. and uh, the f my first daughter, Carlotta, Carlotta. is, uh, guess what? No, what's she doing? Medical doctor. <laughs> 
she's the medical. She, so she it was. Yes. It must have been genetic. But uh, she's fantastic. very interested in the wine business. Okay. So I'm sure that one day she will find a way to combine her oh, profession good. Good. with the wine industry. So you let her. You let her go to medical school. You yes, were, I was you. very <laughs> pleased and very honored, and I was smiling when she said, "I want to be a doctor." I you said, know, your your dad is up. Your dad's up there smiling somewhere too. I bet that's great. And my second daughter, uh, she just uh, finished a master in philosophy. Okay. And you know that with philosophy, you learn how to think mm -hmm. and not just what to think. think. And I really uh, notice that uh, she she's very smart in terms of marketing strategic marketing, marketing. and uh, she just finished so i want her to do some experience abroad and um, i hope that she will come to the united states to have an experience because uh, as i said uh, i learn everything from this market and so i'm sure it will be a very good learning she experience yeah, from her for her to get a job with an importer or and then like that. Yeah. yes good. and yeah. then i think that after one year, she will come back uh, to Good. the company, family company, and she will manage uh, the marketing because I don't know for you, but for us, uh, marketing is a combination of different thing that things that gather, yeah. sales, uh, hospitality, promotion, so communication, social media, yes, social media. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Well, good. Well, if she's over in the United States and she gets out to Napa, we Please be sure she comes to see me. Oh, wanna, of course. Okay? Yeah, I want to. I want to see her, and and I can um, maybe I can give her a few tips. You know, I've got a few tips in my my satchel here. Um, and for you, the next generation. This the next generation. They're, they're all do, they're all doing their own thing and uh, successfully and happily, and and I'm happy about that. Um, it's uh, there's lots of different kids in the next generation, and they're all you know, in their 20s, 30s, and doing different things, and we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> so I've got a long way to go to get to catch up to you, six generations, but we'll see what happens. Anything new coming, coming from you guys? Any new wines, new projects, new properties? Uh, yes, uh, there is something new. I knew it, uh, <laughs> I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> we recently, uh, you know that Allegrini is focused on the production of red wines. Yes. Valpolicella. Mm -hmm. But there is uh, one area that is uh, new okay. in nearby, which is uh, Lugana. Lugana, okay. And Lugana is very close to Lake Garda. Lake it's Garda, located right. in the southern part of Lake Garda. Okay. It's not yet very popular in America, okay. but uh, it's very popular in Europe. And uh, recently we purchased a large property is uh, 120 acres. Wow, that's, that's great. And uh, we planted, we planted half. And so in the near future, we will add this uh, white wine white to wine. the red Allegrini oh, wine production. Reds. That's fantastic. What can I ask? What grape? What, or what are is a kind of Trebbiano. Trebbiano, Trebbiano is. A typical wine mm -hmm. from Tuscany, but it's also planted in Soave, mm -hmm. and this Trebbiano di Soave. And the difference between Trebbiano from Tuscany is that Trebbiano di Soave has lower production. Okay. And so Trebbiano is the most important grape variety also in uh, Lugana. It's called locally Turbiana. Okay, okay. But uh, is uh, the it's, same. Uh, is, is a different clone of Trebbiano di Soave. That sounds exciting. That sounds fun. 
Yes. Good. Yeah, I knew. I knew you had something. I knew it. That's great. But this is a project that, that we will uh, give to our kids, and okay. so we want them to be very involved in That's this. Smart. And right. in fact, the property is owned by it them. It's owned by them, so it's yes. there. Okay, let them go. Good for you. Marilisa, thank you so much for coming today. It's great to see you. Thank and so you. I've, I've, I knew there was more to your story than I, I knew before, so I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Doug. And I will invite you one day to do a podcast in Italy so you will tell to the please Italian do, consumers. Please do, and make sure you say, I can only record in Italy. You have to come to Italy to do this, Doug. And that way I, can, I will see you there. Remember that you are always welcome to Villa della Torre, Poggio Tesoro, and San Paolo. Thank you. We'll see you again. Thank you. Be Thank good. you very much. And that was the unstoppable Marilissa Allegrini. You won't find anyone who works harder and smarter in the wine business. It's great to hear how she's looking to the future with her daughters and the next generation. It was fun catching up with her, and I look forward to seeing her again next time I'm in Verona. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, and thanks very much for all the great reviews that are showing up in iTunes. Keep them coming. Rating and reviewing the podcast helps other people find us. If you enjoy the taste, please feel free to send an email to podcast at schaefervineyards.com with any ideas you may have for future guests or ways to improve what we're doing. We'll see you next time.